oral question to the Minister of Justice. I would remind members that if they wish to ask a supplementary question, they should continually rise in the place, their places to, to, to indicate they still have a question to ask. The member who tables the question will be told, called automatically to ask a supplementary. Clerk, please read the question. To ask the Minister of Justice in relation to the Troubles-related incident victims' payment scheme, how she will assure that victims of the Troubles are protected from the systemic maladministration identified and capital by the Northern Ireland Public Services Ombudsman's recent report. I call the Minister of Justice. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, I wish to say from the outset that the recommendations within the Northern Ireland Public Service Ombudsman's report are a matter for the Department for Communities, where responsibility rests for personal independence payments. Any issues in relation to the administration of PIP should be raised with the Minister for Communities. It is also quite wrong and unfair to victims to seek to read across the issues with PIP to the arrangements being put in place for the Troubles Permanent Disablement Payment Scheme. The assessment process for the new scheme is based on different underpinning legislation to that for PIP and the assessment arrangements are unique to that scheme. Without medical assessments, the Victims Payment Board would be unable to make payments to eligible victims under the rules of the scheme. I can assure the member that there has been engagement with the main groups representing victims of the Troubles to inform them of implementation of the scheme and development of the assessment guidance in particular. Medical assessments will only be carried out by suitably qualified personnel across a range of medical disciplines. That will ensure an assessment can be made across the full range of injuries, physical and psychological, that victims of the Troubles may have suffered. There will be a robust training programme for the assessors, which will involve theoretical and simulated assessments to ensure that they meet the competence and knowledge requirements. Following four weeks of intensive classroom-based learning, the health professionals must undergo a written and a practical assessment to ensure that the level of competence required has been achieved. All healthcare professionals supporting the new scheme will be subject to 100% audit until they have met an appropriate quality standard, which will be a minimum of six months, in addition to ongoing regular audit of their work. I call Jim Alistair for supplementary. I'm disappointed by the complacency of the Minister's reply. Capita is a company whose services have been dispensed with in other parts of the United Kingdom because of their failures, who are the object of a devastating Ombudsman's report, who we heard in public radio this morning a whistleblower speak about the training and auditing, which was to the effect that you, de you uh, deny as many people as possible access to benefits in regards to PIP. So why was Capita chosen? Were there no alternatives? And what is the public commitment in terms of finance to Capita going forward? Uh, Mr Deputy Speaker, um, the member is of course wrong to suggest that there is any complacence in my answer. I have focused on the facts of the Troubles Permanent Disablement Payment Scheme, as members would expect. It is not appropriate for me to comment on wider issues regarding capita um, and indeed regarding um, their delivery of the PIP scheme. The issue with respect to why capita were appointed um, is clear. 
um, capita were appointed on the basis of a tender process that took place in the early part of this year following a public procurement exercise. The contract is subject to robust monitoring arrangements. That includes arrangements to ensure that the healthcare professionals undertaking the assessments meet the necessary standards of performance. For example, all healthcare professionals supporting the new scheme will be subject to 100% audit of assessment reports completed until they have met the appropriate quality standards, which will be a minimum of six months. There will also be arrangements in place for the Victims Payment Board to monitor on an ongoing basis the quality of reports produced by medical assessors. That will assist with quality improvement and maintenance of the clinical competence of the assessors. There is no complacence on my part, because of course, prior to the NIPSO report which was produced last week, all of us will have had experience as a constituency MLAs in regard to the impact of capita. And it is for that reason that this scheme has been designed in as robust a manner and as victim-focused a manner as it has been. I call Dolores Kelly. Um, thank you, Deputy Speaker, and I thank the Minister for her answer. Minister, you said that it wasn't for you to comment on the wider issues regarding capita, but I have represented uh, victims of the conflict in relation to their PIP awards uh, on repeat, repeatedly and have little confidence in terms of how Capita currently uh, manage that contract, uh, as indeed we have found in the IPSO report. But, Minister, in, in terms of victims who in particular have had mental health trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, what confidence can you give them in relation to the skills and expertise of those making the assessment? Well, it would be fair to say, um, Mr Deputy Speaker, that taking on the responsibility for this scheme is something that I did, not because it fitted comfortably within the remit of my department, um, but because it is something that I am passionate about delivering. I believe it is incumbent on this uh, executive and on the Assembly to deliver for victims of the Troubles, and no decision that I would take would in any way jeopardise or seek to jeopardise um, or re-traumatise those um, who have already suffered greatly. The scheme that has been designed is not the PIP scheme. It is not the assessment scheme. It is a dedicated and specialist team within Capita that have been recruited specifically for the purpose of dealing with the victims and payment scheme, the victims payment scheme. It is a novel scheme and the operational aspects for the schemes have been designed with victims at the centre. Victims groups have been involved in co-design of the scheme and Capita has engaged with the main victims groups during the development of the medical assessment guidance. Training for the assessors is designed to place the specific needs of victims of the troubles at the very heart of every decision made within the scheme. For example, the training programme to which I referred earlier will include specific trauma-related modules which are delivered with support from the victim sector itself. Mr Deputy Speaker, it is important for the sake of the mental health and for the avoidance of re-traumatisation of victims, that we do not conflate the two schemes. I call Mervyn Storey. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. I would urge the Minister uh, and encourage her to listen to the clamour and to the concern and the worry that is out there in relation to this issue. And could the Minister clarify uh, there will be the establishment of the Medical Assessment Service, but also you have said uh, recently, that engagement has continued with the Police Service of Northern Ireland, the Public Records Office, the GPs, the Trusts, to provide for information flows to the Victims Payment Board. 
What will take precedence in determining and who will have the ultimate final say? Will it be the GP's history of the individual, or will it be, if I worry, it's the medical assessment part, which will be driven by capita, and given their assessment in the past, we have a lot to be concerned about. Well, I would accept the member's point if that were indeed how the scheme will work. However, the decisions will be made where there is sufficient evidence um, for them to be done on a paper-based assessment, based on the submission, because it was crucial when we designed this scheme that victims were not subjected to further medical assessment in person, um, where the information was already available either from their GP or from historic records or from previous disablement awards um, that their disability was valid and the extent of that disability. It will only be in cases where that information is not readily available, where someone will be requested to attend for an in-person assessment under the auspices of this particular scheme. In cases where people are dissatisfied, either the applicant or the Troubles panel themselves, the, the, uh, the Troubles Disablement um, Scheme, the Payment Board, they will be able to review all of the information and appeals will be undertaken by a three-person um, part of that panel, so a three-member cohort of that panel will undertake any appeals. Those members of the panel are also comprising, as members will recall, of legally and medically qualified professionals. I call Linda Dill. Thank the Minister for her answer so far. Minister, could you confirm that you would meet with the victims' groups and organisations and those victims who wish to give them reassurance around this issue? The committee has offered to meet again with the, the groups and organisations that, that represent them, and we will be doing so probably over the, the summer recess, just to give them that reassurance, and so if they have any concerns, that they can raise them directly with yourself and with ourselves so that we can work together. Well, I mean, the member is aware that I have continued to meet with the victims' organisations and groups. We have continued throughout this period of design to co-design the system with them because I was absolutely determined, given my personal experience of dealing with claimants for benefits, for example, that I wasn't going to have um, victims of the Troubles put through the same hoops that many benefits claimants have been put through. This scheme is proportionate in terms of the assessment that is required. It has been co-designed with, um, with victims' representative groups and those organisations who work with them, and we continue to meet on a regular basis, as in fairness do capita, with those organisations to ensure that the design of this scheme puts the victims at the very heart. Furthermore, the Department is funding, as members of the Justice Committee will be aware, and indeed members of the wider House may be aware, we are funding support workers within those victims' organisations in order to support those who are making applications so that we can ensure that the best possible evidence is provided initially and so that victims are not put through a re-traumatising process of having to repeatedly iterate their applications in order to make it through the system. And those training sessions will be starting with the support workers in place. In fact, it is one of the reasons having discussed with the victims' organisations um, and with the, uh, with the President of the Board, that the President decided to delay the scheme until the 31st of August in order that the entirety of the medical assessment scheme would be in place and the guidance attached um, so that those people could be trained to provide that service. I call Mike Nesbitt. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Speaker. I think it would be entirely 
and deeply regrettable if this session was to undermine faith and confidence of those who have waited years, decades, in some cases 49 years, for this scheme to come forward. However, there are legitimate concerns. Uh, the Minister appears to be focusing on the design, whereas the concern in this House seems to be with regard to the potential implementation uh, of this scheme. Victims may wonder about the Minister making comments as a constituency MLA uh, about her experience of capita in assessing PIPs. Can the member come to this question? And thirdly, they may wonder what happened to collective responsibility uh, when the Minister refuses to comment on NIPSO and the PIPs delivery through communities. Perhaps she could address those issues. Well, with respect, Mr Deputy Speaker, the member is more than well aware um, that were I to stand here and make statements on behalf of the Health Minister, he and his colleagues would be some of the first to their feet to tell me that it wasn't within my vares um, and indeed not within my, by, by my business to do so. Um, and equally, I am not going to get into a space where I answer on behalf of the Minister for Communities. It is the job of the Minister for Communities to answer on her own behalf with respect to the detailed um, report of NIPSO. Um, and the concerns that, that she will have around that. And she has already made many public statements in that respect to try um, to reassure people. It is not for me, however, to delve into that area because it is not a matter for me as Minister of Justice and it is not a matter over which I would be sufficiently cited irrespective of collective responsibility. At no time, to be clear, did I suggest that the Minister for Communities was not doing her job. And so the member should understand the meaning of collective responsibility. In terms of my comments around my constituency um, experience, it is entirely valid for me to raise that in the context where I have the same awareness of the problems and challenges as other members of this House and have for that reason um, made sure that in the design and operation of this scheme and the audit of this scheme, that it will be uh, sufficiently robust. And the member said that I focused only um, on the design, but of course that is not true, because I have pointed out that as the scheme goes forward, there will be audited assessment, 100% audit of assessment reports until people meet the required quality standard for a minimum of six months. There will also be arrangements in place for the Victims Payment Board to monitor on an ongoing basis the quality of reports produced by the medical assessors. And as the Victims Payment Board themselves will create the appeals panels, they will have full oversight of the quality of those reports and any flaws within them in order that we can improve any issues that do arise within the system. I call Stuart Dixon. And thank you, Minister, for the answers to the questions so far. Minister, you have made reference to the fact that the scheme has been co-designed uh, between uh, the department, the uh, board and the company providing this service, together with victims and victims' organisations. Can you tell us what satisfaction the victims' organisations have indicated to you in respect of how that co-design work has happened? And perhaps that would solve the problem of those in this chamber who wish to undermine the scheme before it even commences. 
Um, well, Mr. Deputy Speaker, we have worked very carefully um, in terms of a co-design approach right from the inception. Um, where we offered to take this scheme on right through each of the stages of design and delivery. We have worked very closely with those representative groups, um, including the Victims and Survivors Service and also non-statutory provision in the, victors, the victim sector. We have worked to keep them informed, not only of the development um, of the, the, the product in terms of the actual outcome, which is a service that is fit for purpose and able to deliver the scheme, but also in respect of any challenges that we have faced in that delivery, on the basis that I promised them a no surprises approach. And there have been no surprises for those organisations this week, because the contract was awarded a number of months ago, a considerable number of months ago, prior to the NIPSO report on PIP. Um, they were aware that it was Capita, and they have met with Capita on a number of occasions um, to go through the detail of the scheme, how it will operate, the checks and balances that will be in place, because it is fundamental to me, above all else, that victims have confidence in this scheme. I have a duty to implement the scheme as designed by the Secretary of State. I cannot deviate from that. That requires a medical assessment to be created. I have sought within those regulations to ensure that that medical assessment will be proportionate and as light touch as is possible, given the vulnerability of the individuals with whom we will be dealing. I am committed to see this scheme through to its conclusion. I am committed to see victims able to receive their payments, and I am absolutely committed to ensure that they are not re-traumatised by their application process. I call Rachel Woods. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker, and I thank the uh, Minister for coming here today. And I understand and share the concerns of many people, and indeed have raised a number of concerns about the behaviour and conduct of Capita over the years. But in relation to this scheme, the Minister has mentioned a number of oversight mechanisms and about quality assurance. And I would like to ask the Minister if she is confident that enough oversight is currently built into the contract uh, with Capita by our Department. And if there are issues, can the Department revoke the contract? And how long is this contract for? I would need to revert to the member with respect to the length of the terms of the contract um, because I don't have that in front of me. However, we proposed as the department um, the taking forward of this scheme on behalf um, of the troubles, uh, the, the victims payment board, who at that stage had not been constituted. We did those things in parallel in order to ensure that they were able to start work uh, without undue delay and to meet the, the deadlines that we had set for ourselves within the department in terms of delivery with this, of this scheme in a time frame which was acceptable. Um, in terms of the oversight, I'm confident that the oversight mechanisms are there. I will, however, not be complacent um, about how those oversight mechanisms will work and will continue um, to pay interest and heed to the operation of the scheme, as it is my duty to do so when public money is being expended on it. I would also say that I have full confidence in the President of the Board and his commitment to ensure that victims are treated with respect and with dignity, and that they are at the heart of this scheme. That his role um, and the Board itself, their role in oversight of this contract uh, will be significant. And as I have already said, such was his desire to ensure that victims were fully appraised of the medical assessment guidance, of the detail of the process, and that those who were, uh, who were going to be tasked with offering them support were properly trained, and um, that he actually delayed the scheme with the agreement um, of the victim sector until the 31st of August. So I have no doubt whatsoever 
that he is committed to delivering this scheme and to the oversight mechanisms that are in place. But I would absolutely assure the member also, neither of us would be complacent. I call Jerry Carl. Uh, Minister, we can't pretend that the issues around capital only emerged over the last week. These issues have been raised for many, many, many years, and it seems this executive has an approach of rewarding horrendous uh, behaviour, especially towards capita. Minister, given capita's uh, repeated failures, there are systemic maladministration when working with disabled and vulnerable people. How confident is she in capita uh, delivering this contract in a fair way? And Minister, respectfully, I would say there is no conflation of these issues. This is the same organisation that we are talking about. Well, with respect to the member, there is considerable conflation of these issues. And let me be clear, I do not believe that the PIP assessment process, in terms of its design, was designed to assist the applicants. That is my first position on that. As a political statement, others may disagree with it, but that is my view, and it is why I voted against welfare reform in Westminster. I believe that the maladministration of the system, as I have said elsewhere, is a matter for the, mem- for the Minister for Communities. However, in terms of this scheme, the entire design of this scheme has been to place victims at the centre of this. It is to enable people who are vulnerable, who have been affected by the troubles, who have been injured both psychologically and physically to a significant degree, to be able um, to access the funding and support that is available to them. That is the purpose of this scheme. That is the the spirit in which it has been designed and co-designed with victims, and that is the basis on which I am confident that it will be taken forward, and it will be subject to robust scrutiny, as it should be, um, because I believe that irrespective um, of the reports that have been produced um, in recent days, the member is, of course, right that we are all aware, um, as constituency elected representatives, of the challenges that many disabled people have faced in applying for uh, disability benefits. And all of us would wish to see a more compassionate um, approach taken on these issues. And it is that compassionate victim-centred approach which I have sought to deliver. There are some five members still interested in asking a question. Ask members to come to a question quickly. I call Peter Weir. Mr Deputy Speaker, and I don't think anyone in this House is interested in undermining this scheme, but we want to make sure that every aspect of it is actually carried out properly. And if any member of this House was hiring an employee and they got a CV from an applicant who had shown horrendous problems in previous employment, none of us would touch that particular applicant with a barge pole. So as the Minister is very keen on facts, Capita were awarded this by way of a procurement exercise. Can the Minister spell out specifically what level of weighting uh, when assessing Capita and any other organisations that were seeking this contract, what level of weighting was given to the past performance of the organisation before awarding uh, and in scoring this for procurement? Well, the the former Minister will be aware um, from his own experience that um, procurement has to follow the procurement rules. Um, that are set down by the Department of Finance, and so it is in this case. Um, We followed those procurement rules, um, and if the the member wants further information in respect um, of the weighting of the various aspects of the scheme, we're more than happy to provide that to him in writing. I uh, call Steve Aiken. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Deputy Speaker. May I thank the Minister for her answers so far. Could I ask the Minister, bearing in mind the legion of volume of complaints about capita, 
on everything from PIP failure, incorrect TV licensing, and the appalling management recruitment into armed forces. And bearing in mind they have stated themselves that their entire desire is to squeeze value out of every contract they have, whether she has conducted due diligence on the company, and as she has done so, can she assert before this Assembly that she has full confidence in the company that she has awarded the potentially multi-million, multi-year contract to, bearing in mind they have already been assessed as having shown systemic maladministration? Well, again, as I've said, I'm not going to comment on the NIPSO report because it falls well outside my jurisdiction in terms of justice. However, um, whilst I cannot and should not comment on the administration of PIP um, and, indeed, um, other specific concerns that have been raised, the assessment guidance in this scheme has my confidence. The structure of this scheme has my confidence. And the role in, in which the payment board itself will have oversight of the medical assessment reports and the robustness of the audit has my full confidence. And I can assure the member that in such circumstances where there is any failure, systemic or otherwise, um, we will not be behind the door in revisiting that issue. I call Pat Cackney. Mr Deputy Speaker. Um, Minister, your department covers the appeals service. Did you take into consideration or look into the number of appeals pending because of decisions made by Capita before awarding this contract? It would be wrong again for the member to assume that because the appeals service lies within the Northern Ireland Courts and Tribunal Service that we as a department are responsible for the operation of appeals. That is not the case. We facilitate the holding of appeals in Northern Ireland Courts and Tribunal Service buildings. We do not and are not responsible um, for the individual running of individual appeals, nor will we necessarily be cited um, on the decision-making within those individual um, tribunal appeals um, and, indeed, um, other uh, appeals that will come forward, because it would be a matter for the independent panels um, and for the tribunals themselves um, to monitor. However, as part of our recovery, uh, recovering justice um, system, we do, of course, look at backlogs in all elements. However, it would be, I think, difficult for us as a department to disaggregate how many of those appeals come as a result or how many of those, those cases come as a result of delays due to COVID, the inability to continue to physically assess people um, for uh, disablement payments, and how many come as a result um, of a disagreement over the appeal decision in itself. I call Andrew Muir. Uh, thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker, and I thank the Minister for her update to the House and also for her department in stepping forward to deliver this scheme. Can I ask the Minister what plans she has to ensure that suitably qualified professionals are contracted to assess victims uh, for their eligibility in this scheme? I thank the Member for his question. It is hugely important that those who are doing the assessment um, have the right professional qualifications. So the range of disciplines that will be recruited will span from those who deal with physical disability right through to those who deal with psychological harm. Each member will have to be registered with their registration authority. They will need to have two years' experience and they will also need to have experience in dealing with trauma-informed practice. There will, of course, also then be additional training, as I have already described. There will also be a, a flexible approach to the medical assessment process itself for applicants to the Troubles Permanent Disablement Payment Scheme. The aim is to ensure that the assessment process is applicant-centred 
and that applicants do not have to attend unnecessary face-to-face -face assessment where there is sufficient information available to determine the levels of permanent disablement without a formal assessment. That, of course, will depend on the extent of the medical evidence available, bearing in mind that many of these cases will be historic cases. Healthcare professionals carrying out the medical assessments will be undergoing trauma-related training that will be delivered by one of the main victims' groups. This is to ensure that they are alert to the importance of ensuring uh, that applicants to the scheme are treated appropriately, sensitively and not re-traumatised in the process. I call Robin Newton. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. Uh, the, the, the Minister has expressed her concerns about the running of the PIP appeals uh, as such and indicated no confidence in, in, in that system, which is obviously run by Capita uh, as well. And indeed, that's something in the area of 64% of people who receive a negative decision uh, from, the, uh, from Capita actually make an appeal against that decision. Could I ask the Minister, in, within this scheme that she has expressed her confidence in, what is the appeals mechanism where a negative decision is made? And can she outline that uh, process for us? Uh, Mr Deputy Speaker, I already have. The appeals mechanism is through uh, the, the uh, uh, Permanent Disablement Payments Board, um, so the Victims Payment Board itself. Three members um, of that panel, that larger panel, uh, will undertake any appeals um, that are referred to the Payments Board, um, and that is how that will be conducted. The appeals board, uh, the board itself, is comprised um, of lay, um, legal, and medically qualified individuals. I call William Irwin. Thank you, Mr. Deputy Speaker, and can I thank the Minister for her response thus far? And the Minister is aware and has already said there's many members of this House's concerns as to the capita and the fact that there's systemic feelings in that group. The Minister said that she doesn't want to see victims re traumatised. Would the Minister accept that if this has not got right, that there's a real potential? For victims to, re, to be re-traumatised? Well, of course, if it's not got right, there is the potential for victims to be re-traumatised. If it's not done, there is also the potential for victims to be re-traumatised. They have waited for a very long time, Mr Deputy Speaker. I travelled with the members of the Wave Seriously Injured Group to Downing Street te over 10 years ago in order to campaign for this scheme. I never once thought that 10 years later we would still be discussing when it would open. I volunteered to do this piece of work. It does not fit comfortably uh, within my department's remit, but I absolutely am committed to the delivery of the scheme. And I hope and trust um, that the, vi the, victims, uh, the Victims Payment Board um, are similarly committed. Anything that I have seen in terms of the work and the investment of time and energy that the President and his colleagues have put into this suggests that that is the case. And for those reasons, and because of the huge energy which has been expended by the victim sector in working to design this scheme, to co-design this scheme with us, I do have confidence that we will get this scheme right. But I am not complacent, and that is why robust checking mechanisms have been put in place. It is incredibly uh, distressing for victims to have this scheme, which they have helped design, which they have helped to shape, um, conflated with the scheme for PIPs, which was designed at Westminster 
under an austerity-led government um, and was not there um, in order to assist and enable victims. And I think to conflate the two is unfair and does cause distress to victims. What I wish to do today, Mr Speaker, and I welcome the opportunity um, to have been able to do so, is put on record the difference in the two schemes and my absolute commitment to ensure that victims are protected throughout this process. And that is the end of this item of business. I would ask members to take their ease for a few moments before we return to the uh, final stage of the licensing and registration of clubs amendment bill.